1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Tuesday, October the 6th, 2020. On today's show, former Gamecocks football player Alex McGrath joins me as he does each and every single Tuesday as we talk South Carolina's 38-24 to loss to the Florida Gators. We start with Will Muschamp, of course, his incompetence, the time management. We'll talk offense, defense, special teams, break down the game as a whole, but we spend a lot of time talking about Will Muschamp, the future of the program, the changes he wants to see. And also, we will give a look ahead of the game against Vanderbilt and what South Carolina needs to do to get their first win of the 2020 football season. Before we get into everything, this is a podcasting to by our friends over at My Bookie. Guys, we are in pork's peak sports season right now. We've got the MLB playoffs going on. We got the NBA Finals, college football, NFL. All that good stuff. And at my bookie, that can only mean one thing it is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contest, survivor, and more. At my bookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. Guys, like I said, you can bet anything, bet NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball playoffs, UFC, college football, NFL. Literally anything and everything you can think of, you can bet it. The craziest sports time in your lifetime is here. It's simple, guys. Make your picks, win big, and collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Guys, go to MyBookie.ag. That's MyBookie.ag. Use promo code GameCox and you're going to double your first deposit. Guys, new players get $1,000 in free place. So what that means, you go to MyBookie.ag, use the promo code GameCox. Whatever money you put in, up to a thousand, they're gonna double it. They're gonna give you that other half in free place. If you put in five hundred, they're gonna match it, give you five hundred. You put in a thousand, they're gonna give you a thousand. Again. It's free play. You cannot lose. If you lose, does not hit your bank account. If you win, guess what? You get the money, guys. It's really a win-win scenario. It's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sports wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Again, guys, that's mybookie.ag, promo code GameCox. mybookie.ag, promo code GameCox. Your winning season begins today only at mybookie. Let's get it. sir it's a pleasure to talk to you once again
2: as always chris it was a good weekend man it was absolutely beautiful here in greenville and we did have fantastic weather this weekend
1: we did have some fantastic very brisk the fall is coming it's very nice good good way to kick off october i feel like which is crazy to think it's already october
2: it is. It is. Twenty twenty is mercifully coming to a close. It seems. <laughs> are so, you
1: Are you preparing to take the kids trick or treating at the end of the month, or are you getting like the the costumes again? Are you a Are you a trick or treater, or do you let the people come to your house? I'm sure you have kids. so I'm assuming you're the trick or treater, right? <laughs>
2: well, so, so we've got a we've got a two and a half year old and a so sixteen month old, okay. and so like we this is like our first year where our daughter's gonna like. Is like has like realized that trick or treating is a thing and that there's decorations all over the place, and so we've never had Halloween decorations. So my wife went nuts and bought a bunch of stuff on Amazon. So now we got like a 20 foot spider web in the front yard now, <laughs> and all types of front of the house decor that we've never had before. So we we, we spent a good chunk of the time this so weekend setting all that up, and uh, neighbors have it all out, and so everybody's. Very excited for Halloween coming around the corner.
1: Attaboy, so we right. will definitely
2: be out trick-or-treating. And probably we will definitely be the house with a bowl of candy that says, please take one on the Attaboy. front door.
1: Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, 2020, man, is what crazy it's been. It's like Halloween's on a Saturday. I heard there's going to be like a full moon or something. It's like, it might be a good year to stay inside. You never know what might happen. Why not? This might yeah, be I the mean, year Freddie not, and Jason yeah. actually decide to come out. Um <laughs> no but anyways let's dive in this game obviously we're breaking down South Carolina loses to Florida 38 to 24 and it's funny cuz we were just talking off air you know Alex last week after Tennessee I said let's let's stay on feel for the majority we all understand our feelings on Will Muschamp but Will Muschamp continues to surprise us yet again just in the long line of incompetencies that I feel like he's had at South Carolina his entire head coaching tenure I, I, we have to start with Muschamp cuz that's the talking point point. And, and here's the thing I said on the podcast Monday not just a talking point locally, not just a talking point regionally, not just a talking point in the conference, but nationally people are taking mm-hmm. notice of what happened on Saturday. The thing that sticks out, obviously, the last drive of the game, you're down two touchdowns, you get the ball with eight minutes. And, Alex, it's one of those things, you know, how you can you watch games and the emotions are running high and there's so much going on. Things kind of maybe get lost in the midst of it. Like you're not necessarily thinking in that moment, like what's exactly going on. Because I remember watching, I'm thinking to myself, why the hell are we not hurrying up? You know, you're burning so much clock. But then to go after the game, and I see on Twitter the breakdown, 18 plays, seven-plus minutes on the last drive, you're down two scores. Have you ever seen anything that outrageous in in a much less an SEC game, but just a football game where a team is down two scores and acts like they truly just have nowhere to go on the last drive of the football game?
2: I, there's probably been four or five different instances in this must-champ tenure where I thought we had seen the height of coaching malpractice, but that was the worst thing I think I've ever seen. It was an abomination. Like I was insulted as a football fan watching that. Like, I just, I, I, I don't even, like, what conversations are you having on the headsets where you're taking, they're running the play clock down to 10 seconds. Like, they just didn't care. And I know I texted you about this, like, you know, before we even started the season and just kind of getting together, like, how do we want, you know, what do we want this to look like this year and all that fun stuff. And, like it, like, the angle, like, maybe he's trying to get fired to just collect that 13 million. Who's to say, like, I can't, I don't know how you as a professional could do that and then turn around in the press conference and, and just be like, well, we were trying to be methodical. What, is, is no one in charge? Like, I just don't even know, I, I can't even describe. Like watching that was just like the height of frustration.
1: That that's the which part I thought, almost,
2: which I thought we had crested long ago, but somehow here we are.
1: That that's the part too. You mentioned the presser, the post game. That that's the part that's almost just as baffling as what happened on the field. Is, and I was talking to somebody else about this. Is you know the thing that kills me about Muschamp is he is so, in his mind he's so convinced that he's right. He's so convinced that that was the right move to, you know, and like on one hand even okay. He says we're we're taking what they're giving us. We're, they're taking away the deep ball. If we could throw a nine, if we could throw a go, we would have. T- we're taking what they're giving us. Even if you're doing that, you're burning 20 to 30 seconds between every play, huddling and getting to the line so slow. Like there's just no excuse for it. I mean, I, I blame obviously Mush champ, Bobo as well. If you want to put maybe one percent of it on Colin Hill, but I mean Colin Hill's gonna do what he's told by his coaches. It's it's on Mush Champ and Bobo. But to hear Muschamp, <clears throat> again, in the postgame presser, just so convinced that that was the right move to burn the clock down the way they did, try to score it, and act like we're just going to get an onside kick. Like, it's the easiest thing ever to do. Like, it's just a guarantee. I mean, the craziest thing, because there have been articles written about this, again, national guys taking notice. And I forget the guy's name. I think it was uh, Everyday Should Be Saturday wrote this. If, if that's wrong, I apologize if he's listening or whatever. Um, but the guy wrote the article breaking down each play, time that was burned in between. But the thing that stood out, Florida, the team that was up two touchdowns, took two timeouts in the drive. South Carolina took zero, had two timeouts mm-hmm. in their pocket, and then you end up losing the game with two timeouts in your pocket. I- I'm just, you know, I'm just of the thinking, Alex, that I'd rather go down swinging. I mean, of course they're trying to take away the deep ball. You're down two touchdowns. They know you have to score. Throw a pick. I don't care. Be aggressive. Throw interception. Throw a 50-50 ball. Shaw Smith's been dominating all day. Or give somebody – I know the receivers stunk on Saturday, which we're going to talk about in just a second, but even with that, you have to try. You know what I mean? You, you can't just say, oh, we were taking what they were giving us. Your job is to scheme up and find something there. You've got to beat them at their own game. I mean, I, I just – again, the whole postgame presser with Muschamp still just so convinced it was the right call when – Again, it's it's become a national mockery. That that's what most the, the most dreadful part to me is. It's like everyone sees it except for the guy who's in charge of the damn thing.
2: Well, yeah, and, and you may not be aware of this new rule, but the, if you don't use your timeouts during the game, you do get to carry them to the next game. So we will <laughs> yeah. have five timeouts okay, in good the first deal. <laughs> half against Vanderbilt. Um, and it's it's not even like him saying like, "Well, we were just taking what the defense was giving us." that's fine if you want to do that that's fine don't take but when you get to the line don't take 30 seconds to snap I mean they were snapping it with
1: three or four seconds left in the play clock seriously we were
2: huddling
1: yeah straight up with
2: less than three minutes in the game
1: and it's and it's a terrible look too because I'm not sure if you remember this quote in the preseason but of course it was brought up that Mike Bobo said that uh you know he, he thinks that and I'm paraphrasing obviously but that the hurry up offense is like you know kind of phasing out of college football that like he thinks the huddle's going to come back and that you know there's advantages to huddling up and you know hurry up is not kind of basically he was saying hurry up's not all it's cracked out to be and it's like well in this scenario like in this scenario Mike you might want to go hurry up. I mean they the, in the article they wrote looking at looking at uh time wasted you know and they basically cut it in half. They were very conservative with it the time between plays South of Waste it came out to be around two and a half to three minutes. So, I mean, even if you're taking what the defense gives you, you could have saved two, at least two and a half minutes. Then you have two timeouts. You can realistically get a stop. It's still a long shot, but, I mean, at least you're giving yourself a chance. And that's what killed me, Alex, was I feel like watching that game on Saturday, and, and maybe I was a little overzealous on social media when I said I think this is a 6-4, and 7-3 and three roster. But the point I was trying to make, is that I think South Carolina has good football players. Like, I watched that game on Saturday, and I think there are talented football players on this roster. And I feel bad for the kids because it feels like the adults in the room are kind of spoiling it for the kids. That They're, they're, they're okay. getting in their way. It's like, just let the kids play. Give them a chance. Get out of their way. And if you lose the game, you lose the game. But it's just so funny because everybody, you know, asked me, Chris, you picked them to lose by 21. Why are you even upset that they lost? But – uh, and you you can attest this under the Will Muschamp tenure, especially it's just the way that South Carolina loses football games. you say, look back at Tennessee. You look at this one, even the way they lose. It's just, it's baffling. I, I know we can all handle just getting beat. You play a better team. I, I think of the teams you were on. You play a Tim Tebow led Florida, dude. If you lose, I mean, tip your cap. The dude's the best player in the country. Like you lost, whatever. But To have the opportunity there and just squander it, not even give your guys a chance—that that's a tough pill to swallow for me.
2: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. It's just like I don't like the lack of urgency is disturbing. Like Mm -hmm. because you've got to think. I I mean, I guess it's just—it just comes down to is like he's coaching, or they're coaching in a fashion that would suggest that they don't have urgency or that they don't think, or that this is like a throwaway or something. We, sort of we like, played oh, like we just wanted
1: to cover game. the spread. We played like we just wanted right. to cover the spread.
2: <laughs> well, that's why we kicked a field goal down by 20. Well, and I was going to ask you
1: about that. What was your thoughts on 30? I think it was like 34 seconds left in the third quarter. You're down 24 points, fourth and two at their 28, and you kick a field goal. It's one of those things. It's all I, – I think you should have went for it. because it, it, I just wonder, listen, I know Will Muschamp does not coach due to – you know, public opinion, what people say on Twitter. But I just, I'm in my mind, I'm like, does it ever cross his mind? That, like, you know what? Everybody's expecting me to kick the field goal here. Let me just for once go against the grain and go for it and be aggressive. And what kills me too, is I'm, I don't know if you remember specifically the drive, but that was the third and two play. You go with this weird, uh, we, we, we texted about it. It was the, what was it? The one route. Yeah post whatever one man round it's like if you're gonna make a play call like that that tells me okay we're, we're planning on going for it on fourth and two we just thought we'd take a shot maybe because like if you're truly trying to get the first down that's not the play call <laughs> that's just not it it's
2: just, but it just it's just it's so on
1: brand for must chant to kick a field goal down 24 points with a quarter to play like and i just well, wonder it, it's on brand in-
2: it's on brand in the sense that like it, for the same reason he was, he doesn't think he did anything wrong. Yeah. He, he is fully justified in his division, his decision, like, well, we're going to kick the field goal here Cause got to get some points on the board to
1: cover mm. who's to say,
2: I guess, I, I guess at that point he got the early line at 21 and a half.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to, cause again, we could talk about Muschamp all day, but I, I do want to shift to the positives because, with these guys on the field, like I said, I think there's talent on this football team. There's eight football games left. And obviously, as fans, we're all hoping and praying South kind of can turn this thing around. You're going to have that opportunity this week against Vandy. But let's stick with offense. Um, two guys that, like I said, I, I thought played their asses off. I hope both of them got game balls. Shy Smith and Kevin Harris. I, 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 for one, Alex, I know we talked about this last week. I could not believe that Florida allowed us to force feed him. I, I, I said all week there's no way Shy Smith has 10 catches again. Well, he didn't, he had 12 and it's just like insane. I mean, he, he has established himself as a true playmaker, number one, wide receiver. Kudos to shot Smith. Cause I questioned him honestly coming in the season. And then I think another positive offensively, I thought the O-line played much, much better first off, but Kevin Harris, I think you have found your number one running back. You know, when Marshawn Lloyd got hurt, Alex, I said that there's not another Marshawn Lloyd on this roster. I don't think there's another true, true bell cow running back. And, I'm certainly not saying Kevin Harris is Marshawn Lloyd type talent, but I think he showed you something Saturday to where you can truly build off of that. And because again, South Carolina, if they're going to have any sort of turnaround, they're going to need this running game. They're they're going to need this running game to perform. And I think maybe Kevin Harris can give you that down the, uh, down the stretch here.
2: Yeah, no, he looked, he looked really good. I mean, and kind of to your point, I think the talent on this roster dictates that we should be infinitely more competitive in these games than we have been. And We've got good players on this roster. I mean, yeah, that we we had a bunch of drops. That happens. We'll see how it. We'll see what what it looks like. But I think there's talent there, mm-hmm. or at least there should be. Or, or, or let me back that up. We've been told there's talent there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if this is a kink, you got to work out. It's a kink, you got to work out. But you know, we'll see. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, but what's, Kevin, what's Harris
2: is, your, Kevin Harris is a real deal. He's definitely a number right. one back. You know, Shy Smith continues to impress yeah. in a big way. I mean, he had that one drop in the end zone there at the end, but who didn't on Saturday? Yeah, yeah.
1: no, for sure. I mean, you could say 50-50 on Colin and Shai. On it, but, I mean, both guys, either way, both have got to make – Oh, point.
2: I mean the one he jumped up in the corner. Oh, yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah, 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 the yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. They hit him right in the hands. Yes, yes, yes. No, for sure, for sure. I, I do want to ask you about the play of Colin Hill because, again, what's kind of – What's kind of getting lost in the shuffle is Colin because there's so much other stuff to talk about. We're going to talk about defense, especially in just a second. But the play of Colin Hill, I mean, you know, I see fans on social media, and I think if anybody else except Ryan Helensky was the backup quarterback, this would not even be a talking point because I think a lot of people, again, we talked last week, just have that, that soft spot for Ryan because he played last year in his whole situation. I, I, I totally understand it from that, that fan side of things. But I'll tell you, Alex, I, I've been more than pleased with Colin Hill through two weeks. I mean, I, I think he's given you exactly what you need, um, exactly what you expected. He's a veteran. He's cool, calm, and collected. He doesn't, he doesn't put the ball in harm's way a ton, I mean, to be honest with you. I mean, and you think if his receivers catch the football Saturday, he's probably throwing for almost 300 again. Um, two touchdowns, no picks. I mean, a clean stat line. Just your thoughts on Colin Hill through two weeks thus far
2: i I've, I've been pleasantly impressed with his play so far. I think. I think. And he's Tio not hurt. Really he hasn't started. gotten hurt yet. Fingers
1: crossed. Every time, dude. Every prizes. time he goes down, I'm like, oh god, this could be the one.
2: <laughs> yeah, just one more ACL for him. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, he's he hasn't put the ball in harm's way. I mean, you, you, we could argue about the pick he threw in the first game, who that's on. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he hasn't put the ball in harm's way. He's been efficient. At least as much as you can be with the drops that he's had, he's he, he understand he under and it's like we talked about week one. It's like he understands the offense that Mike Bobo's trying to run, and he's putting the ball in the right spots.
1: Mm. Yeah, now so I, I think I mean, he's
2: done really well. I mean, certainly I haven't seen any reason to be like get him out of right, there. Right, so.
1: I, I've been pleasantly imp- impressed, dude. I mean, and, and you know I don't want to say surprised, but I mean, I, I mean I'm shocked he didn't win more at Colorado State. Like honestly, just watching him, like this this guy can play. He's got a big time arm. I mean. Again, he 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 is he's played good football, I think. I've had no issues with the way Colin Hill has played through two weeks, and I, I would not pin either game on him. And that's that's no, the crazy thing. Not. Yeah, that's the crazy thing, Alex, that's sort of leading me to this point. I saw some other people saying this on social media because it kind of leads back to Will Muschamp. What's wild to me, South Carolina is 0 2, and I mean, let's just face it, is most likely, unless there's a massive turnaround, they're they're on pace for what I predict in the preseason, which would be a three and seven season. And what's crazy is I think if they finish with that record or worse, at this point, it doesn't feel like it's going to be because of the offense. It's going to be because of the defense, which is the most maddening thing. If I'd have told you the day Will Muschamp was hired, that in year five, the defense would still be at best average, at worst extremely suspect, and a liability, would you have believed me if I'd have told you that?
2: No, probably not. I mean, would I would I have guessed we would have been on multiple offensive coordinators, of course, just <laughs> yeah, because that was part sure. of the course. But just, I mean, to for the defense to play.
1: And I tip my even know, I tip my like, cap to Florida. I tip my cap to Florida too, because obviously Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, all those weapons I talked about going in the game, one of the best offenses and one of the most dynamic offenses in the entire country. Dan Mullen an offensive guru, but again, it's year five safety play is still abysmal out really outside of JC Horn and every, you know, and Israel McQuamu. I'll say, even though I, I really feel like every now and then Israel McQuamu disappears outside of those two guys though. And I give credit to John Dixon. He played a solid game, but as a whole, because I talked about this in the preseason, Alex, I, I know I I've been bringing it up a lot, but I just making the point that I said in the preseason, If the offense sputters, it is what it is, but it will be a bigger indictment on Will Muschamp as a head football coach if this offense is average again because it's like, what's the point? You hired him to have an elite defense. You thought that was the one thing you could bank on, and I'll be honest because you're talking about the stats, and you look at the stats, and they don't look that bad, but I don't know if you felt this way, Alex. And I'm not trying to take anything away from the defense, but – I felt like Florida let off the gas pedal in the second half. Like, when they got up 38-14, to 14, I don't think Florida was quite as – because it felt like, to me, if they really wanted to score, they were scoring at will. I mean, if they wanted to score, they could do so. You know what I'm saying? And like I said, it's one thing to predict it, because I picked 41-20 to 20 during the week. It's one thing to pick it. But then to see it on the field and all these guys that have been so highly touted on the defensive side of the ball, all these recruits, and it's supposed to be like I'm retiring the phrase defensive guru when I speak of Will Muschamp because there's just no way you can be a defensive guru and be in year five at your school at the University of South Carolina and not put a defense on the field that's any better than the one we're seeing right now.
2: Yeah. I it, it, and, you, and you mentioned looking at the stats and yeah, if you looked at, if you just blindly looked at the stats, yeah, it wouldn't look that bad, but it what's frightening about it is they were lethally efficient mm. is I think where that really comes down to. Cause if you look at it, you know, they had 20 more, 19 more yards than we did in total, but they scored 38 points only possessing the ball for 23 minutes. Right. And they averaged almost 10 yards an attempt in the passing <laughs> game so that's a tough that's a tough look
1: what what was your thoughts on that long Kadarius tony touchdown where you had five guys around him and he, and he just squirts I, who died
2: them. that's that <laughs> is going to be a meme on yeah. must champs tombstone in yeah. much the same way that those two florida guys blocking each other was yeah. uh scant seven years ago
1: yeah or uh, eight for, years ago, who knows yeah, how long? For it was. sure, I mean it's some of the some of the most poorest tackling you'll ever see. And I, again, I because I think there's fantastic young talent on the defense too. You know, I, I take a look at, um, you know, I take a look at Jordan Birch, Zach Pickens, those guys. You know, I, I think there is talent on the defensive side of the football.
2: Is Jordan Birch or is Jordan Birch playing?
1: Jordan Birch did make a play on Saturday. Jordan Birch did make a okay. play. Um, He did make a play, so, you know, and Zach Pickens as well has been a force inside. Again, I think there are other nice pieces, but as a whole, this defense is just not getting it done. Alex, I want to ask you, you look ahead now. South Carolina maybe finally gets some relief, if you will. They play the Vanderbilt Commodores in Nashville. You've won, I think, what is it, 12 in a row against Manny. Now you're going for your 13th straight win. You open up as a 12-point favorite. Interestingly enough, that number has already dropped to 11 and a half, so people are starting to put money On the Commodores, I'm not going to leave this one for surprise, Alex. I'm going to be picking South Carolina to win this football game. I'm not expecting the Gamecocks to blow them out by any means, but I look at our roster, and I want to believe even the coaches couldn't screw this one up, that we have enough talent to win this football game. But I'll ask you, I won't ask you to make a prediction or anything like that, but what do you want to see? Again, you're 0-2. Hey, you're 0-2 for the first time since... 1999, by the way, you've lost five games in a row for the first time since 2015. Okay, all everything going on this week, you're going to hear all the chatter, all that. This team obviously has to lock in focus, you got to focus one week at a time, whatever. I know it's coach speak, but week by week, every week is a season, as they say, focus on beating Vanderbilt. What do you want to see from this team? Another noon kickoff. What do you want to see from this team this weekend when they take on Vandy?
2: throttling an opponent just to prove that they can because if you don't and we talked about this last year too Mm -hmm. you're you're playing an inferior opponent's calling out the right word but you're playing somebody that you should be able to beat handily Mm -hmm. and if you don't do you lose the locker room Mm -hmm. because exactly what you said you've got a you've got a group of guys that's lost five in a row and you got, you know, national and now five, five point, and 15 in their
1: last 20 games, five and 15 in the last okay. 20 games.
2: Exactly. And so, like, emotionally, where are those kids right. and like, how are you keeping them engaged to go out there and win and perform? And, you know, now it's kind of to your point now that you've got national media kind of beaten down on this now, too where does that perception come in? How does that filter through? And it's just trying to hold all that together. So what I'd want to see is them come out, shake that off and just beat Vandy down like they should. And then it's like, you kind of look at, you know, Vandy was able to hang around with LSU for the first half, but they ended up losing to A&M by five. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's talent on that team. It's going
1: to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. I'm expecting a full, I mean, I, I'd love to see South kind of go out there, like you said, establish dominance, win by twenty-one points. I think they certainly can. They're capable, but I'm not going. I mean, I'm expecting there, you know, I'm expecting it to be a fight. No question. Even if you win by 14, I'm expecting it to be a tough game, if that makes sense.
2: I agree. I right. <clears throat> I don't think there's I don't think there's a cakewalk that we're right. gonna see this
1: year. No. No. Honestly, you look at the schedule. I mean, Ole Miss looks fantastic, you know, especially offensively, Lane Kiffin. He's in his second week. They're scoring 41 points on Kentucky's defense, which I think ranked like I know they were a top 20 defense last year nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're scoring a lot of points. I mean, you got to think Mizzou again with Eli Drinkwitz, who beats you with App State. He's going to figure it out. I, I want to ask you in closing, back to Champ Alex, because again, as much as I want to stay on the field, that that's that's the lead topic for everybody at this point. Back to Muschamp, you're you're an economics guy. <laughs> I, I want to ask you because I-, I think a lot of people ask this question. And we see the, the ramifications, because uh, it's so funny. You know, people say things in the offseason, Alex, and it's it's like I tell people. It's easy to say in the offseason, well, there's no way Muschamp gets fired. We can't afford it. Or it, it doesn't matter if we go 0-10, he's going to be back. But when it actually happens, and you're in the heat of it and the emotions and in the moment, it's much harder to just accept that. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, South Carolina's 0-2, and it's already like you're seeing on social media, like a lot of people that were supportive, supportive, support, they're flipping. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of the fan base is now turning in the sense of, okay, you know what? This guy's not the guy for the job. We're kind of seeing the light of what you were saying now. I I, I think a lot of the fan base, most of the fan base, I'd say at this point, is if nothing else, skeptical that he's, he's not the guy. I, I'll ask you, I mean, because again, everybody talks about the buyout 13 million. Do you think there's any way, I mean – we all hear USC can't afford it. USC can't afford. it. I know you're not on the board of trustees or in those those rooms with Tanner and Castlin, but do do you think that's a smoke screen? Like, do you think if USC really wanted to salvage up thir- or find 13 million and get him out of there, could they do it?
2: So first, let me say to all the new fans that <laughs> welcome welcome aboard the Fire Must Champ train. It's <laughs> wonderful to have you. It's wonderful to have uh, you. Um, can they? Uh, uh, they can 100% afford to do this because, like mm. the, the amount of money the university makes off of football from SEC TV deals, like all yes, that money is there. They could get that from boosters. There's no issue to that. Mm. I think where everybody kind of, or where I've seen some discussions kind of get lost in the weeds. I think a lot of people want Tanner gone mm. now as well yeah. because they don't want him making the next hire. And then of course you get the you know endless stream of well. Who are we going to get? We're not a top tier program, which is a which is a pitiful
1: which is a pitiful argument, in my opinion. But whatever.
2: It's it's also not true. I mean, you know, we had Lou Holtz followed by Steve Spurrier. I mean, if you had asked anybody prior to two thousand five, like you think we could get Steve Spurrier? The resounding answer would have been no. So that's not the issue. Um, But I think kind of when you're looking at it from an economic standpoint, you say, all right, we got to pay this guy thirteen million to go away. I mean, Florida did it, and look where they are. Yeah,
1: and, and that's, if you, if, I was thinking about say it
2: that, in those terms. It's like, how much is the program worth to you? Right. It like, it, like, why would you spend this money in this fashion to end up in a worse place than when you started? It's like you know, you've got to look at it as like, a, all right, fine, we'll structure his payoff in such a way where we pay it over ten years or mm-hmm. twenty years or whatever they want to do. They'll figure out a way to do it and put clauses in there. That, that's not a problem. So. I don't think you know spending that money in that fashion to change the direction of the program is is a bad move i mean it's gross that that contract was even signed and that somebody okay. gave that to him and obviously you hold the board of trustees and the flight director responsible for that mm-hmm. but i mean no i mean this is obviously i mean you and i've been on this page like this is not the direction we need to be going in this is not the guy that's going to get it done right you you got to solve that problem first before you solve the next one so if this is the end of the road which i th- Think seems to be the temperature of the fan base, at least at this point. Yeah, you can easily pay that and go find somebody else.
1: And and I think where people get it, you know, twisted is like it's not like you're giving him; you're not signing a thirteen million dollar check. It's going to be a thing over installments. Like when he got hired at South Carolina, I think Florida was paying him was it uh, like forty or maybe like a hundred grand a month or something. He he was getting a sizable check. From Florida every month, but it's he not was. like they paid him the buyout all at once. So I mean, it's not like I understand people, but you don't have to come up with thirteen million all at once. You know what I mean? Like I think that's you what people kind of get it twisted and get kind of confused. So,
2: well, I mean, it's just like, or you let him play on his contract and you pay him thirteen million either way. So which yeah, one exactly exactly is the answer to that question? Like, do right. you want him or not? So we right. have to pay him one way or the other. It's just like let's go ahead and get somebody else in there that. Can utilize the talent we've built up efficiently.
1: Yeah, and that that's one of the points I made on the show yesterday. Alex was, you know, because you bring up Florida, and I was talking to my buddy about this on Saturday, and, and I mean, obviously, we're in year five now of it, but I think back to myself and I'm like, you know, Florida paid Muschamp to get out. It wasn't they didn't part ways mutually. They paid him to get out. Okay, and they fired him after a seven and five year, by the way, in year four, which will tell you a lot. But I think to myself, and I'm, I'm sure you're the same way. I believe in, hey, give people second chances. They can change. They can evolve. They can get better. But I think to myself, and I'm like, why did we think we were smarter than Florida? Like, Florida's a program that has great tradition. They've won national titles. They've won SEC titles. They've had a ton of success. Whatever. Think of them what you may. But that's the facts. That's what they've done on the football field. Why did we look at Will Muschamp and think that we were smarter than Florida in the sense that, like, There's something they don't know. like we, You know, does that make sense? I'm like, why do we think – why did we think we're outsmarting Florida in this situation? Like, Florida's already made it clear. They think he – they literally paid him to leave. Like, they think he's damaged goods. They think he is – that's what they think of him. It's like, why did we think, again, we were smarter than the Gators? Like, I just don't understand.
2: I I don't know that we – I don't know that we necessarily thought we were smarter than the Gators. I mean, I, what I would tell you is we got sold a bill of goods because what I think and what a lot of the rhetoric was when he got hired was that he had learned something from that experience to be a better coach going forward and then, you know, he turns around and he hires same strength and conditioning guy, same staff the same as a whole. Same court, staff same as staff a whole. as a whole Right, and it's like, okay, well, this guy obviously learned nothing because, I mean, you can look at that and say, you know, Bill Belichick got fired by the Browns, yeah, and that worked out. Like Pete Carroll got fired by a lot of organizations,
1: yeah, and sure. that sure.
2: worked out, right? And so, you know, the people, it, you can do that and get that second chance if you have learned anything from yeah. your mistakes in the past, and that is just not. And I happened.
1: guess that I guess that's my biggest argument too. When people say or said last year that, you know, Muschamp needs seven, eight, whatever years to build a program. And I'm like, he doesn't deserve that benefit of the doubt. He, he doesn't deserve that long. Like, because no. it's already failed once. So really, honestly, the way I could have looked at it is like the first sign of trouble where things start to go bad, get out, just get out. I mean, cause it, it, it's there, like it's not going anywhere. And again, we already talked about it, but the post game comments that shows you right there. W- and Again, guy runs a fantastic program Sunday through Friday. He's a likable guy. He, he you know, his players love him. I mean, he's a, he's a hell of a recruiter, whatever. Runs runs a fantastic program. But on game day, doesn't click. He doesn't get it done. He misses things that football coaches at that level, there's no excuse to miss. And then when you hear him in the postgame presser, to me, Alex, it just says he is who he is. He's not going to change. I equate it to this, and this is kind of a funny example, but you take a girl out on eight dates, or you go on eight dates with somebody and they're less than what you desired, we'll put it that way. What are you expecting the ninth time around? Like they've shown you their true colors. They are who they are. Yeah. And again, that's not to say like I think Will Muschamp is an X's and O's guy, knows I mean, he's he's a football guy. You listen to him talk football. He could sit in a room with you on a whiteboard and just break it down like nobody else. But on game day. It's just not there. It's just not there on game day, and not everybody's meant, and not everybody's cut out for it. Not everybody's built to be a head football coach, and I think that's what you see time and time again. But I think for people to, for people to, for the people that you know, there's some of them out there, people that are still out there that they're hopeful. they they have their garnet glasses on, or they just truly still for some reason believe in Muschamp. He's going to turn it around. To think that at this point his head in his coaching tenure, he's going to all of a sudden have a come-to-Jesus moment, the hand of God is going to touch his shoulder and he's going to turn to Nick Saban. I just don't see it. I don't see it. I think he is who he is. I think he's going to be who he is. And like you said, when you hear the post-game presser comments and him to so adamantly defend that decision, that's that's all you got to know, that he, that he is set in his ways as a head coach.
2: He is. And it's just, I mean, you get people in the fan base that, want to believe in it and it's because he's a likable guy right and he does good jobs he does a good job in the presser but that's not
1: he's not, not what not you're paid for it's person. not what you're paid for no that's not what you're paid for. you're
2: not paid on for the steve spurrier comments, was like, an asshole things.
1: man steve spurrier was an asshole but he won games that's what you're paid to do exactly <clears throat> so 100
2: percent. and you know at the end of the day like yeah he's a good guy he's a good guy he runs a clean program but if you're not getting the job done we're not paying you to do those things hmm.
1: For sure. Well, Alex, always a pleasure, man. Obviously, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Hopefully, fingers crossed, breaking down the first W of the season. Breaking down the first w. I, and I know I can speak it to you, and I think I said it on the show yesterday, so I'll say it. Jokingly, obviously, so before people freak, before people freak out, jokingly, I saw a good friend of mine, Brad Crawford, tweet on or say on Twitter that, you know the the Muschamp tenure is going to come to a head in Nashville. If South Carolina loses to Vanderbilt somehow, it will seal Muschamp's face fate basically. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know, I think I'd trade a loss to Vandy for a new head coach. <laughs> you know Look, what? Man. For the long term health of the program, one loss to Vandy will not kill me.
2: <laughs> Dude, it's like it's it, I equated it oh. to putting I equated to putting my two year old in timeout. Like it, you got to do it. <laughs> it's you can't just let them run wild and you got to set some boundaries. And you know what, if, if I'll say this, like if, if the long, if the right thing for Carolina football is to not be under Will Muschamp, a loss to Vandy is a good thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're pulling for him to win, but it's, it's, it's kind of, hey, maybe Saturday's a win-win. <laughs> you can look at it. <laughs> maybe Saturday is a win-win either way. Alex, always a pleasure. It's Man, addition like I said,
2: by subtraction. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Alex, always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week, but appreciate you taking the time, my friend. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how everything goes this weekend. Indeed we will. Absolutely. He's Alex McGrath. I'm Chris Phillips, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. And we'll talk to you next time on the episode of The Spurs. Episode.